0: Good morning, my name is Spencer Brose, and I'm the lead pastor here at St. Stephen's, and it's a blessing to worship with you today, wherever you are, if you're in this room or joining us from elsewhere. We hope that you have an experience of God as we worship him together today. As we have entered into the month of November, it's easy to think of this as a month of gratitude, a season of gratitude, and so today, and next Sunday, we will explore passages of Scripture that bring us, well, lead us to think more deeply about being thankful. One of those is a psalm. It's Psalm 100, and it's a, quite a short psalm, actually. Um, some of them you encounter are very long. This one has five verses and probably um, should have been four. Uh, just in the numbering system, not in the verbiage. You know that these weren't written initially with chapters and verses. The story goes that a monk was on horseback, and every time his horse bumped is where he would mark a new verse. I don't know if that's true or not. Sometimes it feels like that, Um, and this is one of those, at least in my my mind. Um, Beginning at verse 1. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord is God. It is he that made us, and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. For the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. There are a number of passages from scripture that have received a one word title that comes from their Latin translation. From The Latin Vulgate uh, was that translation. Um, some of them we know, most of these we know from song or uh, if you know them at all and many of them are from the, uh, the birth narrative of Jesus in Luke's Gospel. Probably the most famous one is called the Magnificat. It is when Mary encounters her cousin Elizabeth and uh, uh, the babe in Elizabeth's womb leaps for joy and then Mary goes into song. Mag- uh, My soul magnifies the Lord is how we translate that in, into English. But in Latin, it begins the word with the word for uh, magnify. Later in uh, that same chapter, when John the Baptist father uh, knows that his son has been born and is able to speak again, he uh, says well, the Latin is Benedictus Dominus Deus Israel, blessed be the Lord God of Israel, and it's known simply by Benedictus. There are others throughout Scripture, uh, even throughout the Psalms. Uh, there's the Miserere from uh, from Psalm 51, have mercy on me, O God. And then there are the Laudate Psalms, 148 and 49 and 50, a collection of praise psalms. Today's psalm has a name, too. It's Huberate. Make a joyful noise is how we translated that in uh, the New Revised Standard Version. Other translations say shout for joy. I like to make a joyful noise myself. This passage has over the centuries... Uh, if not well for over the millennia, has been an expression of joy from, from the people of Israel and then from the followers of Jesus and continues until today. Some of you may know it from um, Catholic or, or rather Episcopalian or Anglican traditions as a part of the daily prayers that is, are lifted up and is used at certain times throughout the year on Sundays in celebration in the more liturgical churches. You don't know exactly where this Psalm came from. It doesn't say a Psalm of David. So those, are, those tend to be named. But we know it is a Psalm of Thanksgiving. In our, in our Bible, some of our Bibles have a lot of like subtitles that go along with passages. Most of those weren't written in there, we just add, we've added them, the publishers have added them to help us to, to contextualize that certain passage. But this one was written uh, in the Psalms with a Psalm of Thanksgiving, just in case you didn't get it from the words. The, that title is placed in the text itself. One of the neat things, and this is, I'm gonna put my Bible nerd hat on for this, because one of the neat things that happens when you explore the Psalms is you see they have, most of them have a structure and have a pattern to them. And that pattern and that structure helps us to see what's happening there. And it also helps us to remember that these, most of these were Psalms. Psalms were meant to be sung as Psalms. And, so, and this one most assuredly Um, was one of those they believe it was most likely a psalm uh, that was sung as people were going up to the temple in jerusalem you're going always going up that's your that's just the way they talked about it going up to the high holy place going up to the temple to pray or to worship or for a festival if there are groups of people they would be singing a psalm like this if not this very one We see in this structure too, and this is why I said four verses would probably better characterize this text, is that we have this pattern. We have this pattern of the human response followed by the reason for that response, human response, the reason for that response. And it may seem odd because we wanna put things, uh, the cause and the effect, we wanna put them in that order. We wanna put the reason followed by the response but as we approach this psalm, it is assuming the goodness of God. It is assuming an expression of faith. They don't have to, they don't, we don't have to get anybody there for those who are singing this song, We don't have to convince anybody of anything. They're already there expressing their faith as they sing in praise, as they make a joyful noise. The people who are expressing this already accept God's wonder and God's all. There's no convincing. And you might also notice there's no asking for anything. God, you're great. So can you do this for me? Will you do this for me, please? There's none of that. There's just God, you're great. God, you're the best. It's an outpouring of gratitude Intermingled with joy. The title for today is kind of this mingling of this passage. The, the, the passage tells us, enter the gates with thanksgiving in our hearts, but it also points us to thanksgiving walking hand in hand with joy throughout it. It's not long. There's not a lot of words, but joy and thanksgiving are intermingled in our response to God's goodness and God's greatness. So I do want to explore this text Looking at that pattern, letting that kind of guide our um, time together, the message today. So we begin with verses 1 and 2, the, the proper action. This is our proper response as human, humans to, to God. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. And I will forewarn you. I've already said I'm putting my Bible nerd hat on, and it includes the word nerd part too, because there's a lot of neat stuff happening. And I'm not going to go. I'm not going to do the Hebrew and all the other stuff. But just just so you just so you know ahead of time. So in the very first verse, the very first word is a phrase that we say, "Make a joyful noise." It's just one word. It's just one word in the Hebrew. And it can be, and and it's not the, when somebody doesn't have a great singing voice that we're trying to convince them to sing, what do we say? Just make a joyful noise, right? It's it's an encouragement. (laughs) And while it still is appropriate, I think, that's not what this text is. This is like your team just scored a touchdown and they were losing in the last two seconds they won. Or hit a three-pointer, a basketball, whatever. It's a a celebration. It would be the fanfare, what we would call it. A great hurrah goes up. That's how this psalmist is saying we should approach God is with fanfare and celebration as we approach the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And in this text is one of those places where you can see very pointedly too the differentiation between the words Lord and God. Because sometimes in the Old Testament you'll see them next to each other and like, why did you need to say it twice? It's because they're not saying it twice. The Lord is the English rendition of the divine name. This is Yahweh. This is where Yahweh would have been said or would be written in Hebrew but never, never said um, as a word so we have make a joyful noise to Yahweh all the earth this is a huge statement in the Old Testament not O people of Israel not O people of Zion or of Jacob's spawn seed this is all the earth This is a proclamation of all of the earth is invited to sing in this song of praise. Jesus would be the the full expression of that and, and the exploding of that idea or spreading out of that idea to all the earth. But oftentimes in the Old Testament, that concept of Abraham's seed being a blessing to all the nations of the earth gets buried in this nation of Israel. But this psalmist hasn't forgotten. This is for all the earth to join in worship of God. And again, in this, in this, in, in the second verse, in this opening response, we see this word worship, and it's and it's really neat, at least I think so, that this is the same word that can be used for serving or working work for God, serve God with gladness or joy, making a joyful noise, worshiping, working for, serving God with gladness. And these are commands, by the way. Grammatically, they would be called imperatives. We are, we are called commanded to do these things in response to God's goodness and greatness. And as on worshiping with gladness and singing, we enter into God's presence. It's how they would ideally be walking through the temple gates in their worship. Why do we go to all this trouble? This is where we come to verse 3. This is one of those the responses. Know that the Lord is God. Know that Yahweh our Yahweh is God and the only God alone. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. This response, this reasoning reminds us of who God is. This is the one who, when Moses encountered the burning Bush, and Moses says, who do I say sent me? This is that guy. This is that being. I am who I am, who I have always been, who I will always be, which gets compressed into the name Yahweh. That is who I am. That is who we go to worship. That is who who we go to sing praise to. And not only by invoking Yahweh, it always takes the Hebrew mind to to the uh, Exodus story, but also extends it now to the Genesis story. He who made us. And then in In Abraham's story, he claims us. I will make covenant with you. This is who we go to worship. Yahweh, who is our God, who created us, who claims us, and is our shepherd. We are his sheep. And all of this preceded by the verb know, to know know these things, these are important things, these are eternal things, and turn our hearts to gratitude and to joy. And the identity of God as a shepherd puts us in a special relationship, it identifies rather the special relationship between us and our God, between shepherd and sheep. Sheep in those days were tended to individually and cared for, individually and collectively. It wasn't just you turn them out into a pasture and you make sure they've got water and food. You, you, you guided them, you guarded them, all the things in the 23rd Psalm that we read. That's a very close connection. That's a very special relationship that the psalmist is acknowledging by that phrase that we can easily um, move past that we are are sheep of his fold. And again, we return to the actions, our proper response to who God is. We enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and bless his holy name. Again, coming in with gratitude and praise, directing our thanks to him. Blessing his name. I, I, I have often in my head, when we get to that place, we think of God as the one who, who blesses us. How, in the, how can we bless God? How is that? Is, if blessing's a gift, it's, uh, how do we gift something? The person who has everything, right? Well, it's kind of a twist. We've kind of misunderstood that idea of blessing, um, at least in, in this way. Blessing can all, is also the same word for kneeling. It's, it's about putting ourselves below God. It's about giving proper honor to God. It's putting us in the, in the proper respect of who God is. We've identified him as, as our shepherd. Remember, he is our God. So we humble ourselves before him in all of his goodness and his greatness. And why do we do that? We go to verse 5. For the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations. God is good all the time. All the time. God is good. That's a call and response in churches around the world. And it's not just because it showed up in a verse or it sounded like a catchy thing to say. It's because it's true. It's why in grace, uh, the grace that I learned and many of us learned growing up, God is great and God is good. It's not, it's not an, a, a distinction between two different, I mean, of, of the same thing. It's two different things. God's greatness is he is able and his goodness is he is willing. For the Lord is good. His love Endures forever. And it's not just to us and it's not just to them, it's for all generations. Entering into God's gate with thanksgiving in our hearts is is also an entrance into joy itself. We approach life with gratitude for God. Gratitude is not, it's not consequential, it's not circumstantial, it's not um, conditional in any way. We can't help but experience the joy of the Lord when we approach life like that. And as we look at this text, it's often used as a way to talk about how we come into worship on a Sunday morning, but it's not about how we come into a Sunday morning. It's not how we enter into the building, that's the church. It wasn't just for going into the temple and the time in which this was written. This was a way of life. We often talk about these things that we do as a part of our faith is first they're an intentional ha- act that we have to think about and make ourselves do. They become a holy habit, but then they move to this, this status of being a lifestyle. We can't help but do this. It's become embedded in our spiritual DNA. We can't help. But walk around grateful for God it doesn't mean that we don't have days where what in the world is going on it doesn't mean we don't have bad days or horrible days. But it means that even within this, those times in our lives, we still have a deep gratitude for God's blessings, regardless of what all is going on. Every Tuesday during our staff meeting, uh, one of the staff leads us in devotion. This week, Karen Wells, our office manager, did that. If you don't know Karen and don't know her background, um, Karen's husband is a retired United Methodist pastor. She's also uh, was a church organist long before she ever met Steve. She comes with a deep faith and is often inspired by music itself. And her devotion this week was around the two, well, it was what (laughs) happenstance, or God made happen, um, two of the hymns we'll sing in the 11 o'clock service. But her sum up of all of that is that we give God thanks and praise, not for what we have or the things that God does, just simply because God is. Just simply because God is. And then all those other things are part of that, are, are um, brought into existence because of God's goodness and greatness. And if we, as we live that way, not only do we enter into the worship service with thanksgiving in our hearts, but we enter into our homes, into our places of work, into the world, and we even enter into encounters with others, giving thanks for who God is in that moment, for the gift of life that those people are, even if it's folks we don't necessarily get along with. And as we live in that gratitude, we're filled with that gratitude joy, like that balloon. And it's a joy that doesn't always have a, a place, an object to attribute itself to outside of God, That's because of this lifestyle of gratitude, living out our faith wherever we are in such a way that the... The world is exposed to Christ not because of us, because we're allowing Christ to live in us and then through us. It's about putting things in proper perspective in the world around us when we see things going badly, and things go badly all the time, internationally but also personally. Yet we're still grateful for God who is good and great. And as we live in that spirit, it's hard to do. It's not simple. And it's something we do only through the grace of God anyway. But as we live it out, as whether we're making ourselves do it or at least say the words or you may not always feel the feeling, Lord, I'm grateful, until it becomes a, whole, a habit that you just respond to life in gratitude um still, uh, still something you th- have to think about, but um, but more than just an intentional thing. It's just a reflex. It's a reflex. When something the doctor hits your knee with that rubber mallet, your foot shoots out, right? It's a reflex. My reflex to life, God calls our reflex to life to be that of gratitude. And as we lean on him, as we submit ourselves to God's will, as we... Surrender to Christ, that becomes a part of who we are. And this gratefulness and this joy that God uh, provides us become intermeshed. And the more we are grateful, the more our joy fills and expands. And the more we are able to proclaim with the generations that have preceded us and those to come, the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever, and his faithfulness to all generations. Amen.